This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. There's a higher percentage of broken people here, and they're not evil. They're not trying to destroy the world. They're not trying to mess up our children. They're good, smart people. They just don't know Jesus. That's Karen Cobell, founder of the Hollywood Prayer Network. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. I'm Larry Gates. And this is Armin Asadi. And Armin is back freshly. All bright-eyed and bushy-tailed from <laughs> Kenya, Africa, right? Yeah. <laughs> other than the jet lag yeah. and all sorts of other fun stuff. Yeah. You doing all right? It was I a good am. trip? Well, this is way too much information to be sharing on a podcast, but it was the first time I got Montezuma's Revenge. Oh. <laughs> we'll whatever. leave it right there. Yeah, yeah. But Montezuma <laughs> isn't in Africa. Is <laughs> no, I don't know, but I got it. I don't even know if people know what that is, but <laughs> maybe I don't want to say. <laughs> no, I'll just leave it right there. <laughs> I think everybody can guess. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, well, we're glad that you tuned into this show and that we're quickly changing topics because <laughs> we have a really great guest lined up for you today. We have Karen Covell. She is the founding director of the Hollywood Prayer Network. She's a co-founder and producer for JC Productions, an independent TV and music production company and she's co-authored of the books how to talk about jesus without freaking out which i love the title the j-bomb and the day i met god so without any further ado here we want to welcome karen covell to the bold idea podcast thanks larry i'm glad to be here oh we're so happy to have you you know we've had a few hollywood and movie people on but i think you are bringing a dimension to our discussion today which is going to be a lot of fun because you get to hear and talk about and pray about a lot of life situations going on out there in Hollywood. And so we want to hear all about that. Oh, that's great. I'm ready. Okay. Well, so you are the founding director of the Hollywood Prayer Network. So what is that? Well, as a producer, I'm also a producer in the entertainment industry. I formed a prayer network that would link the church in America and around the world to Hollywood as what I see as the world's most influential mission field. And my passion was, since I have one foot in both worlds, one foot in the church and one foot in Hollywood, there's a great gap between the two. And there's a hate relationship, really. Hollywood hates the church. They've been boycotted. They've been judged. They've been finger pointed. And the church is afraid of Hollywood. They believe that they're an evil place, that it's destroying their children. And so I couldn't decide how to build that bridge except through prayer, because I learned if you pray for somebody, you can't hate them. Mm -hmm. So 17 years ago, I started planning how to get the church to stop hating Hollywood through prayer. And that's how it began. Okay, so 17 years ago, you had this idea, and I'm curious, how did you get started? I mean, you're seeing this gulf that needs to be bridged, and I agree with you. I think prayer is the way you do it. Jesus said, pray for your enemies, so even if you do that, wasn't it C.S. Lewis that pointed out when you when you pray for your enemy, it's like you're investing a part of yourself in them, and how can you then hate yourself when you're invested in somebody else's life? That's exactly it. It becomes very personal at that point, and you have to separate what you're afraid of, what you hate from yourself. And that's hard to do. And so you start melting your heart and realizing the Lord is working on you to see it from his perspective, not your own. Mm -hmm. So what was, what was the catalyst? I know that you saw this gap, but at some point in time, you woke up one day and you said, I'm going to start this thing. How did that happen? Well, my husband and I started a prayer group in Hollywood 33 years ago, and we were with six other people 
we got together once a month and we decided that we would pray for each other. And as we prayed for each other, we realized that there was a bigger issue here. It was not just praying for one another, but to pray for the whole environment of Hollywood. And we needed more help doing that. It couldn't have been just us. So that's when I started thinking how to get other people praying. And as I took those steps of thought, I realized that I needed to strategically reach out to the church and educate Christians on why this is a place that we should be praying for. And so I started just building thoughts of how to communicate that message that was so clear to me, but other people's eyes kind of glazed over when I told them about it. And so I started comparing Hollywood as a mission field to foreign mission fields around the world and showing the similarities between the two and saying that a mission field does not have to be overseas. It can be right in your own backyard. And if as a church, we have a heart to reach foreign mission fields, then we should put Hollywood into that list. How was that received initially? Oh, horribly at first. People thought I was crazy. I would have people say, pray for Hollywood, please. There are people dying in Iraq. I mean, crazy ideas about why would you waste your time on these people? And those people have so much money and fame. They don't need our prayers. I mean, it was really intense. Mm. And as time went on, I'd find a few people. And honestly, in the last 16 years that we've been up and running, it's been a slow process. But I'm encouraged that more and more people are open to the possibility that this might actually make an eternal difference. Why is Hollywood so important, you think? Hollywood is the world's most influential mission field. Everything that comes out of Hollywood impacts everybody across the globe. The messages we send out from Los Angeles, which is the city of angels, and angels are messengers, these messages through film, television, radio, video games, music, the internet, all of these messages are impacting the culture and influencing the worldview of the listeners and the audience. And so the people creating that content are giving the world their worldview. And I want to see more Christians giving their worldview to the world and the only way to do that is to impact content. You have to impact the hearts of the people creating it. And so how do you or your network help influence those people in Hollywood? Well, we do three things. One is I speak around the country. I do blogs, podcasts, <laughs> radio shows, and tell my message, challenging the Christians to not hate Hollywood, but pray and ask God to come in. The second thing we do is build community in Hollywood. That's the networking part. If we have a strong community of Christians here, then we can be a more visible force. We can be more encouraging and prayerful to one another, and we can be a group that makes our beliefs and our love available to our coworkers who don't yet know him. And the third way is to encourage young people who have a heart to, to work here and have a gift to work here, to be encouraged to come and not think it's some evil, awful place, but to join our community and help us make a difference. So how would you judge the success of those things, the degree to which the network has changed over the years? Would you say that more and more Christians are becoming engaged in your efforts there? 
I truly believe in, in, in different ways. It absolutely is. And the only way I know that is by seeing numbers. Mm-hmm. We started just here locally, and I reached out to some people and offered what I had to say. And now we have 110 chapters in 30 countries around the world. That's 110 volunteers from their own city, their own country saying, I want to join you. I want to start a prayer group in my city, or I want to influence culture through my efforts here. And that's a big sign of growth. A second one is when I first came out here in the early 80s, I could barely find six other Christians. We now know of over 10,000 Christians in Hollywood, and that's only the people I know. I am not taking credit, but God started a movement in the 80s of people's blinders being dropped off and understanding that this is not a scary place. And so I've been a part of his movement of growing the community. And then we have more people each month wanting to come on board and get our monthly email and pray with us. So those are the three ways I can really tell there's growth. Mm. And how have you seen receptivity to your prayer network from, I don't want to say the hostiles, but I think (laughs) <laughs> they, they, they might be seen that way in some cases, right? Those who don't know the Lord don't don't share our values. How have you seen their response to that, or have you? Oh, I have. From the very beginning, it was pretty rough. I got on some hate lists. I was told I wasn't a Christian, that I was going to hell, that I was in Satan's pit, that this was a waste of time. I got a lot of that. Through the years, it's dissipated. I haven't had as much. But ironically, just yesterday, I got a hateful email that reminded me there are still people out there who can't accept what I'm doing. And I had a woman just absolutely throw her anger in a way that was so amazing to me, I couldn't believe it. And I thought, okay, there are still people out there who don't yet see this. And that's just an encouragement to me to keep going because I know I'm walking into spiritual battle and I need to be doing this. It's the right thing. I guess I'm more in your camp, so it's harder for me to empathize with them. To I guess to put it plainly, what's their problem? Well, here's a line that I pulled up from this email, which is interesting. It says, I cannot relate nor be a part of a movement that is basically focused on people who've made a conscious choice in big letters to trade their morality, their hearts and souls for a meaningless, short-lived and vainglorious existence. So they think, this person thinks it's an absolute waste of time to pray for Hollywood because all of these people have made a personal choice to give up their moralities, their hearts, and their souls for pursuing a vain, glorious existence. That's, that's the view of a lot of Christians out there. Mm-hmm. You could say that about pretty much every culture <laughs> in yes. the world yeah, <laughs> right every addict every angry person every violent person every pretty much i mean you could throw me in that camp oh isn't that the truth <laughs> here's another interesting line she said now don't get me wrong i pray for the miserable souls of the entire entertainment industry <laughs> that they be exposed to god's great love and forgiveness but for a part of the evil industry yes you to worm your indecent and false teachings into an otherwise excellent guiding purpose is disgusting to me and many others. 
Wow. Talk about an anger problem. Yes. And this is what I get on and off because there's this. This is not a battle against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle of principalities in the heavenly realms because Hollywood is such a globally influential center. The enemy does not want Christians to have an impact here. He isolates us. He divides us. He gets us to think it's horrible to flee from it. And it's been going on for decades. It is not a new thing. Christians were having an influence in Hollywood back in the late 1930s, the early 30s and 40s. And by the 50s, we fled thinking it was turning evil and we needed to get away. So there's a spiritual blindness, which I face every day and say, no, that's a lie. That's not the truth. There's no difference between churches who send missionaries to cannibal countries and they pray for them and they pay for them, but they won't send them to Hollywood because it's too evil. Hmm. Seems like we're missing something there. Yeah. Yes, it's a disconnect. Yeah, totally. So you described, <laughs> well, actually you read what it sounds like a pretty venomous email that you received from someone who sounds like they have a passionate desire to do what's right before God, and yet they see it you know, quite a bit differently than you do. Would you say that most of the critique that you've received has been from the Christian community? Oh, absolutely. I do not get critiques from the non-believers. They think it's interesting, or they, they don't get it, or they think it's cool that I would pray blessings on them. But no, I have not gotten any resistance from non-believers. I get all my resistance from believers, which is why I know it's not blaming a person. It's understanding a spiritual battle. Mm. And here, I'll read just the last sentence of this, which I think is an answer to your question. She says, these words I write are not my own, but those of truth and revelation shown to me by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Repent, for the time is at hand. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hellfire and brimstone. (laughs) Yeah. There's probably plenty that you're getting that will discourage you along those lines. (laughs) Talk about some of the encouraging words that you've heard and encouragement that you've had as a result of doing what you've been doing. Oh, there is so much more encouragement. I could go on forever with that. I have people who literally say to me, I wish someone had told me this years ago. It is so exciting to pray for this place and to see God come in and do miracles. I had a 50-year-old woman break down crying and saying, my parents told me I couldn't work in the film industry because it was evil. And my whole life, I've regretted that I had not followed the desire of my heart. I get all the time encouragement to say my church started a prayer group because we realized how much the media influences our children and we decided instead of talking against it and being afraid we're praying and we're seeing miracles and we're seeing changes in the content and we're seeing our community come together and knowing that we're making a difference there's time after time that someone gives us encouraging feedback because they're taking that energy and asking the lord to do something instead of thinking they can make changes themselves. Actually, at one point, I'm also a big advocate to not boycott Mm -hmm. because I see from the inside the message given to a production company, to a movie house, to a studio is we hate you, we hate what you do. And the response is don't tell me what to do. They don't learn from it. They don't change from it. They just dig in their heels and say, these people are crazy. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so Years ago, when Harry Potter came out, I knew that there was a big group of Christians who were going to boycott the movie. And I had actually seen 
I'd read the books and seen the movie and realized that there were amazing spiritual messages in those books and in that movie. And so I went to that organization and I said, I would like to challenge you this one time to not boycott, to not get all your constituents to write letters and not go and, but to pray instead. And it was a tough one. We had to work on that, but finally they agreed. And afterwards I got a response. You know what? You were right. We saw more of a change from praying than we did from boycotting. Hmm. Wow. What was that change that they saw? What they saw was that more people got discernment and wisdom about what was going on in that movie instead of just blanket hating it, thinking it was evil because there were witches that they started really paying more attention to what it was and discussing it and working through it with their children and praying together as a family instead of just a blanket no, the kid's getting mad, the parent's getting frustrated, and there's no wisdom or understanding in the process. Hmm. Karen, it seems like that's an example of a film where, yeah, you could kind of go either way with it. You know, you could take a dark side view of it and, you know, say, hey, we should really stand against it. Or you might say, like you did, let's look beyond that and let's look at the principles of it and let's affirm those things. What about some of the product that we have seen come out of Hollywood, which is just, just downright detestable. I mean, there are, (laughs) there are some things that are really awful. How do you advise your constituents in those situations? I advise them the same thing. Be wise in what you'll see and not see, Mm -hmm. but discuss it. If your kids want to see a movie that you are really against, What you need to do is research what it's really about and not just what you've heard from the Christian press, but to find out what you can and discuss it and explain to your children, this is why this is a problem. We don't want those images in your head, but let's pray for that filmmaker and let's make a difference in that filmmaker's life that maybe the next time the Lord will change their heart and the next film they do will be different than that. Or let's discuss with your friends films that might be more interesting to talk about and go to. And and be conversational about it. Draw people into your struggle and your concern and not just blanket, nope, it's bad, it's evil, stay away. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to see bad things. I don't. I raised two children. We were very careful in the things that we had our kids see. But we didn't blame those filmmakers. They're coming from a worldview that that's all they know. So I would rather pray for them that some Christian would come into their life or the Holy Spirit just miraculously would come into their heart and they would change as people so that not only were they not lost anymore, but their content would be different. Their next film might be different instead of just being angry or being afraid or being blindly saying, no, it's bad, run away. So to stay in line with the series of questions that we're asking you right now, I know how easy it is to hate what you don't understand, but I remember there was a time in your life where you had to interview someone that is, what's a good word, detested by the Christian community. And it was a person that, from my understanding, you did not want to interview. And that person was Hugh Hefner. Could you tell us about that story? Yes, that was really actually amazingly encouraging to me. I was working on a show, Headliners and Legends, with Matt Lauer and was assigned to interview and do a one-hour profile on Hugh Hefner. And I didn't want to do it. I It was just one of those things. I thought, I don't want to spend three months on the bunnies, the Playboy Mansion, the whole thing. <laughs> and so I was assigned another producer on the show to work together with him who I didn't know him. And I went home that night and I told my husband and I said, 
you know, I'm really bummed. I was excited to get on this show and jump into some really cool person to work on. And I got Hugh Hefner. And he first <laughs> laughed, of course. And then, <laughs> and then he said, well, if you don't do it, somebody else will. So why don't you do it and do it differently? Think about as a Christian what approach you can take to it and take this on as a challenge. And I was like, man, pal, I never thought of that. That's great. But I got to talk to this guy, Rick, tomorrow and see what he says, because we have to do this together. So I went in the office next day and I said, Rick, I have to be honest with you. I did not want Hugh Hefner. And he said, neither did I. And I said, well, what did you do about that? He said, well, to tell you the truth, I called my pastor. I said, you did? What did he say? He said, Rick, if you don't do this, somebody else is going to. So, <laughs> Was his pastor your husband? <laughs> <laughs> no, but a very good clone. And, <laughs> and so he said, why don't you do it and do it differently? And we were blown away. We said, okay, this is a divine appointment. We've got to take this on with vigor and just jump in and see what we can do. And we started praying about what it is we can do with this episode. And we decided pretty quickly, you know what? We don't need to just celebrate all the accomplishments. We need to find out why Hef became who he is. What made him the kind of man that would do this and celebrate this and live this life? We started on a journey of finding out his background, his childhood, his parents, his home, his friendships, his loves. And we found out that he had a story. So we interviewed people with that perspective. And the last interview we had was Hef himself. And I decided to bring in a crew of Christians to have a sound man and a cameraman believers. And we would just go to this mansion praying. And we drove to the mansion. We pulled up in front. There was a boulder right there. The boulder asked us who we were. We talked back to the boulder. Suddenly the <laughs> gate opened and we started driving up this amazing road up to the Playboy Mansion. There were wild animals. There were peacocks and flamingos and crazy birds and beautiful landscape and little yellow signs all the way up this road that said, beware, bunnies at play. And we... <laughs> Oh, we man. pulled up in the parking, went into the library, which, by the way, is set up for interviews 24-7 because he has so many interviews. He knows exactly what he wants the room to look like. He knows the lighting. He knows what he's going to wear, his smoking jacket. And it was a brainless task for our crew because they put down their camera on the, on the tape marks, and that was it. Mm -hmm. Then a crew came in. Hef came in with some bunnies, some PR people. I think there was a hitman there. There was <laughs> a few bodyguards. We he was well, he was well prepared. And we met each other. He's lovely. We sat down and Rick's first question to Hef was, "Hef, what was your life like growing up?" And the very first sentence out of his mouth was, "Well, we believed in God, but it wasn't a very loving home." Oh, wow. And he went on to explain that he and his brother never heard from his parents, I love you. Mm -hmm. And his mother had a phobia of germs and never touched, hugged, or kissed her children, ever. And he said there was only one thing that they gave me that I loved, I held on to, I slept with, I carried around during the day. It was my love. And he said it was a blanket. It was my bunny blanket. It had little bunny rabbits around the outside of the blanket. And he said, that's what I loved as a child growing up. And he said, I always wanted a puppy, but my parents wouldn't let me because they had germs. 
And he said, when I was seven or eight, I got a tumor in my ear and I was about to lose my hearing. And I had to have surgery. And the doctor said, there's a possibility that in the surgery, I could lose my hearing. He said, so I listened to a phone call my mom had with her close friend who said to my mother, he might lose his hearing, give him a puppy. And so she broke down, got a puppy at a pound, put it in the part of the house she never goes in. And he said, I was so excited. It was the cutest thing. And what I did was I gave the puppy my bunny blanket to sleep on. It was the greatest sacrifice I could do for my new puppy. And he said, what we found out was five days later, the puppy was sick and he died. Mm. And he said, I watched my mother have them take the puppy out of the house. And then right in front of me, she burned my bunny blanket. Wow. And he said right there in the interview, I guess I'm just a little kid still looking for love. <laughs> and it went from there. Yeah. He just kept talking about it. he's looking for the love songs where the lyrics are true. He always watches old romantic movies and he's trying to find the love story that's true. He's had different love affairs in his life and he's never really found the love that he's been looking for. It's just on and on. And what we realized was he's a boy still searching for something. And in his adolescence, it turned into sex. As he got older, his brilliant mind turned it into a business, and then it turned into an empire. And everything he's accomplished is based on his brokenness. Mm. Wow. And that represents so many people, everybody in the world. Well, who we are and what we become is all based on what we've gone through. Yeah. And I was just thinking as you were telling that story, how that's probably repeated in just different ways really for so many of us, but but really magnified there in Hollywood where you have so many celebrities and so-called success stories, and many of them are probably from the same kind of pain. Well, absolutely. And there's also a higher percentage of broken people who go into the arts because it's an outlet where they can express themselves. They can work through what they want to let the world know or who they're trying to become in a way that you can't do in an accounting office or in a business office. And so there's a higher percentage of broken people here and they're not evil they're not trying to destroy the world they're not trying to mess up our children they're good smart people they just don't know jesus mm -hmm. this is the bold idea podcast i mean this is a special episode in my heart because not only the topic but we have the generosity of our listeners that are making this possible that's my favorite sponsorship so far. If we could get our podcast sponsored by our listeners every time, it would make my day because there isn't a greater compliment that we could possibly receive than that. Oh, totally. And, you know, we love our business sponsors as well. But right. there's something when you as an individual decide, hey, I'm going to invest in this because I'm getting something from it. That's right. And this is a passion project for us. It's not like we get paid for this. So anytime we see people investing in us, it means the absolute word to us. So thank you so much for doing this. And if you want to see this continue to happen, please just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate and make your investment there. And this is a tax deductible contribution. So I have to ask, what is it that you've learned through your journey in Hollywood about God that's a message that you feel like people need to hear? Oh, he is not judging. He's not 
punishing us. He's a God who wants the best for us. He loves us unconditionally beyond anything we can hope or imagine. And I've learned that we are here as people to not only embrace his love for ourselves, but to share that with other people. And anything after that is up to the Trinity. There are no vacancies in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the one who nudges people to change. Jesus is the role model of who we need to become. God the Father is our creator who made us who we are. And we are here to live the love that we've been offered and offer it to other people. And honestly, that's what I've learned being here. That's so good. That is good. What's next for you? This bold idea podcast. We want to hear about your next bold idea. Uh, well, I'm in the process of writing a Hollywood devotional for you version. We have about eight weeks up now. I'm going to do 52 weeks of a journal where people not only grow personally, but once a week, there's a challenge of how to pray for Hollywood, how to look at entertainment differently, how to turn any frustrations or misunderstandings to the Lord. So I'm introducing it gently into a devotional that I feel like is a way to reach another group of people who I may not have been able to reach at this point. I'm also producing a film at this point. I'm continuing to build local chapters of the Hollywood Prayer Network. And I always love to encourage the creative community in our country because I I believe that artists are prophets and prophets are either projecting or reflecting what's going on in culture and they need to be nurtured and loved and encouraged. Mm, that's good. What advice would you leave our listeners out of all the experiences you've had over the last 20 years or so out there? Don't jump into judging Hollywood. Stop and ask the Lord to give you wisdom to pray for the people here and to lovingly Ask what your place is in making a difference. If you're concerned about your children, if you're an adult that is frustrated by the content, if you can't find a movie that you can go to and see and enjoy, then stop instead of judging and start praying for how you can make a positive influence in this world's most influential mission field. And we can help you at the prayer network along the way. We have lots of ways to empower people to make a difference right where you are. Yeah. So how can they find out more? Well, you go to hollywoodprayernetwork.org, hollywoodprayernetwork.org, and there are a list of resources. There's ways to pray. There's join us. We send out a monthly email about how to be praying that month for Hollywood. It's a great resource, not only to find out what the major issues and key people are here, but also how to pray for those issues. And all of those influence us as citizens. The second way is we have one-to-one -one prayer partnerships where now we have almost 1,800 matched prayer partnerships where a prayer warrior on the outside of Hollywood is assigned to a Christian working in the secular entertainment industry and you pray for that person as your media missionary. We also have local chapters where we give you a page on our site and help you to make a difference in your local area and then to connect to other local chapters around the world to have hands down, feet on the ground ways, tangible ways to get involved in making a difference in our culture. Oh, that's great. Well, we'll have the links to all of that in our show notes so people can get at that very quickly. And just want to thank you again, Karen, for spending some time with us today, taking us behind the curtain, if you will, at, <laughs> within Hollywood to let us know what's going on there. How can we be praying for you? Oh, 
that we can continue to see growth, that people's eyes can be opened and the spiritual battle can be won in coming together in unity as Christians to pray for this world's most influential mission field. If you pray for that, I know you'll be making an eternal difference. (laughs) Well, that's great. And it's exciting what you're doing out there and the connections you're making. And really to hear the positive report of all the believers that are coming together under the Hollywood Prayer Network. So Oh, there are 15 active ministries in Hollywood now where people are gathering for Bible studies, for networking, for filmmaking, for training. It's amazing. That's great. It's great to hear. Well, thanks again for being on the Bold Idea podcast. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me, Armin and Larry. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye then. Bye-bye. Well, Armin, that was fun to have Karen on. Yeah. She's a seasoned veteran. You can tell that was not her first interview. (laughs) No, it was not her first interview. And it's kind of fun to hear her story about Hugh Hefner interviewing him. I I think that's a powerful story. I wish some like big pastors could grab a hold of that story and just work some wonders with that, like Stephen Furtick or whoever. Yeah, right. Well, you know, it was an interesting story because of the way in which a seemingly distasteful assignment has another dimension to it. Right. And unless she had the counsel from her husband and, you know, the guy she was... pastor. Yeah. Unless that counsel wasn't consistent and and applied, you know, it seems like God just orchestrated that so that they would see, you know, there's a story behind that. Yes. That is really kind of almost a meta story for each of us and that out of our wounding, we have a choice to make in terms of how we live out our lives. Right. And, you know, really... Of course, God's the only place where we can get that full source of love where our earthly parents or, you know, other people will always let us down. But that was a remarkable story. But I was just thinking about, as we wrapped up the interview, uh, I was just thinking about all the guests that we've had on the podcast so far, right? And uh, how much of a privilege it is just for a few minutes to dive into someone else's story and hear how they are seeing God at work in their own lives and the lives of other people. And here Karen has a front row seat in what she described as the world's, you know, most influential influential playground playground or mission field from her perspective, you know? Yeah. And I just thought, wow, that's, that's pretty incredible because I was thinking about all of the, the challenges that exist there, the tensions, the, the comparison, you know, all of the stresses that might be on someone trying to live out their faith right. in an environment that, you know, is is not as receptive as it is in other parts of the country or other places. And yet it's a vibrant community, it sounds like. Right. And the mission that she has is really almost unmeasurable because mm. it's, you know, from our lips to his ears kind of thing. And right. who's to know how God is moving and all that. Right. You know, it's an interesting thing when you see the most visits to like Bible websites and church websites, when you see a single celebrity talk about Christianity, like when Justin Bieber talked about him being a Christian and how he loves pastor Carl Lenz and he started getting interviews of people in Hollywood asking him about his faith. And you saw a massive flood of people just digging into what what is church, what is Christianity, all that stuff. Selena Gomez, all these people. And it's amazing how much impact 
a Hollywood celebrity can have just by blurbing something about Christianity in a positive way. Mm-hmm. You know, like all the pastors combined can't get that many people to immediately go looking for something in terms of Christianity. I mean, there was like millions and millions of young people going out trying to figure out what Christianity is, this thing that Justin Bieber talked about (laughs) for 30 seconds, (laughs) right? You got churches have been planted for decades that don't have that impact. Right. Mr. Bieber says, yeah, I like church. (laughs) (laughs) It was over. I I know. It defies explanation, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, man. It is truly the most influential field out there, man. I mean, I'm sure they're not going to be great Christians, you know, in terms of, what hardcore seasoned Christians might describe or define as a solid Christian, but you know, none of them are going to change overnight into these phenomenal, sinless, spotless, blameless Christians. You know, it's going to take time. And the fact that they're even willing to publicly admit to being a Christian, which is something that seems antagonistic to people out there. That's a huge leap. Yeah, when I think of Paul approaching Athens and seeing all the gods there, you know, it's not unlike that to say, you know, this is a mission field. Their hearts are aligned toward pursuing something. It's just not the one true God. And, you know, beneath the skin, we're all kind of wired the same way, you know, you know, really there, but by the grace of God go I. But, you know, I love her mission. What are some of the things that you would pull out of this interview that we should keep in mind? I think I'm a little thrown back by how... A simple message like a quote from John Knox is still so incredibly needed in the church and in Christian circles as you cannot antagonize an influence at the same time. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I don't know why, but it seems to be a really hard message to get across to not all Christianity, not all circles of Christianity, but fair enough amount of Christianity that it just kind of blows me away that a simple concept of you can't antagonize someone. I, I can't tell you how much I hate you or how disgusted I am by you. Yeah. And have and, much influence. Yeah. Like I don't think it's going to require a professional psychologist to grasp that <laughs> logic, mm-hmm. you know, but like sometimes it just seems like certain circles of Christianity really struggle with that idea. And I know that they have a good heart and they, they want to influence this community for the better, but the approach just blows me away sometimes. Well, as Karen said, there's no vacancy in the Trinity. And I think for many of us, we want to try to defend God. Right. And, you know, he doesn't need a defense. Right. You know, so. It's true. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the love, right? Yeah. Joe Battaglia talked about that too in one of our earliest interviews where these two things are unreconcilable. You can't be antagonistic and try to be a person of influence as well. He said it in a really creative way. What did he say? Jesus doesn't need a defender. He needs an ambassador or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, yeah, that's very, very applicable to Karen's case and yeah. Hollywood Prayer and, Network. And, and exactly. That's the role she's playing, being an ambassador and in a very, you know, <laughs> a volatile environment. Yeah. For her. And to find that most of the critique is coming from the Christian community. Right. You know, what I learned about that from just as I was listening to that and trying to abstract that into anything that we feel that God is calling us to is a bold idea for ourselves. So that sometimes it's the places we think are the safest for us that might be actually the ones that are most resistant. Right. And that isn't necessarily the case to suggest that our idea is wrong. You know, so sometimes we might have resistance like she does 
from certain quarters to what she's doing, and that's not necessarily an indication that we've got it wrong. You know, and I think the issue is, you know, are you doing what you believe God's called you to do? Right. And moving out on that. So can I applaud Karen for that? Yeah, I, I think what she's doing is not only bold, but it's incredibly vital and important to, I think, what the Christian mission is about. If we truly want to have the entire world here about and embrace this idea, well, not this idea, but this living God that we all happen to submit and surrender our lives to. Yeah, and I think the thing, too, that she is doing well in the Hollywood Prayer Network and what she said on our interview was to shift the paradigm, to think about Hollywood as a mission field rather than as a place to be feared. You know, right. And so she's inviting believers to get to Hollywood, inviting people to pray for Hollywood, and inviting community to come together there and the yeah. ministries that are going on and really there and across the world with all the chapters that they have going. So that's really, I think, positive. I think it's really helpful to say, you know, we don't need to fear anything. <laughs> Jesus said, be not afraid, right. for I am with you. And, you know, that's the thing. We don't need to fear that. We should enter into it. And that she's doing it in a positive and healthy way and yeah. encouraging others to do the same, which I think is really great. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. I love what she's doing, and I, and I love the message. Don't Don't hate what you don't understand, but go into it, understand it, love it. And be there for them. Yeah, and that's a pretty consistent theme, I think, that we're picking up from a number of our bold idea guests, right? right. Is that it's it's easy to find something wrong with something you don't understand or don't want to understand or makes you feel uncomfortable. Right. But if we're gonna be bold and we're gonna follow God, then you know, we need to not be fearful of it. And and the best course of action really is prayer anyway, right? right. Yeah. You know? So it's, often we think about Prayer as a last resort, you know, is really, it's it's the front line. You know? <laughs> That's how every story why, should begin. Why, why do we say, you know, all I can do now is pray? You know, <laughs> right. it's kind of like, you know, I, I would do everything and to, so that I don't have to pray. And, <laughs> and now all I can do is pray. Well, why don't we start there? You know, why don't we start with prayer, you know? Right. And so what I love about that is not that it's just pray for Hollywood because they're in need of prayer. It's pray for Hollywood because that is a mission field that is highly influential and can not just because it needs redemption, but because it has opportunity, Yeah, which, you know, there's both is needed, right? I yeah. mean, you, you need to redeem something before you can take advantage of it from an opportunistic perspective. You know, you can, mm -hmm. you can have some value come from it. In fact, that's what redeem means. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I just love that. I love that she's engaged in that and we've got a growing following there and she's been doing it a long, long time. Yeah, she has. With, I'm guessing the same amount of just raw, direct energy. Just, it's just like, she's very passionate about it. She is. I love that about her. She's energetic. She's funky. She's got great stories and she hasn't lost the, piece of that excitement that she said all along. Yeah, well, we, we hope that Karen has also inspired you and given you some energy as well to pray for Hollywood and pray for the entertainment industry at large. We'd love to get your comments on the show and any questions that you might have and to also check out the show links that we have to Karen's resources. You can find the show notes at boldideapodcast.com slash three zero because this is episode 30. And we'd love for you to leave us a comment on the show at that address or call our show line at 612-568-IDEA, 
5684332 and always always our friends we do love it when you take a moment and just review our show on iTunes or on Stitcher and the fast way to do that is just to go to our website boldideapodcast.com/review and that will get you right there so thanks again for listening we'll be back with another episode next week and so until then this is Larry Gates and Armin Asadi saying so long You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.